Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. We're back after a long summer where there was lots of football, but none of that good league football that we all love the most, of course. Nothing beats that. It's the time of the season right now where everyone still has their hopes up. And I certainly hope to have a great time with you listening to the show and with my panel here. I'm your new host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham, and I'm very glad to be here to share this season with you. Also with me today is Rich Allen. Rich, how was your summer? Uh, it's been very good, as you say. Just excited to get back to the start of league football now. And also with us is Muhammad Ali. Mo, looking forward to it as well? Yeah, looking forward to uh, this weekend and uh, a new glorious campaign, hopefully. Absolutely. So today we discuss, of course, the start of the French season with the traditional Trophée des Champions, which was played in Shenzhen, China, uh, over on, back on Saturday between PSG and Stade René, a little bit of a revenge for PSG. We'll also begin our preview for the upcoming Ligue 1 season. Uh, it'll be part one of our preview. We look at 10 clubs, including PSG and Marseille, and make sure you stick around on Thursday as the Thursday panel looks at the following clubs. Um, but as I said, nowhere else to start than what happened in China. PSG won their seventh consecutive Trophée des Champions. It's a record. Mo, PSG, for them, victory was, you know, the minimum we could expect. And they delivered, but at times they kind of lacked some conviction, didn't they? Yeah, no, I'd definitely put it like that. It was, you know, they were a bit lethargic. They were a bit... Um... Not, not, not very balanced enough uh, on Saturday. I mean, yeah, it was you know the Super Cup, the Trophy de Champion, um, but you know by and all, it's, it's still a glorious, uh, glorified friendly rather. Um, you know the defense were pretty shabby, and they had to sort of be sort of saved by a really good moment from Angel Di Maria. But I just thought it was a laborious performance. I don't know if the conditions had an impact or how far they thought they'd be in their previous preparations. But while they got the job done uh, by the bare minimum, uh, it wasn't exactly the convincing, you know, satisfactory performance they were looking for six days out of the season. And you mentioned a very good moment from Angel Di Maria, who scored, of course, the winning goal on a free kick. But I thought, Rich, that the first goal from PSG by Mbappe, it was a glorious team move as well. It was, um, uh, and it included new signing um, Pablo Sarabia, who I thought was actually one of PSG's most impressive players. I thought his link-up play um, with, with Mbappe especially looked really good, and, and obviously it worked spectacularly for the goal. Uh, lovely inside ball uh, from Sarabia for, for Mbappe to, to tap in. Um, but really sort of following on from, from what Mo was saying, I mean, PSG were, were, were helped, I think, in no small part by Ren, who didn't seem particularly keen to do much in the way of attacking. They very, they really had a uh, a game plan. Obviously, they were they were missing several of their um, sort of star forwards in terms mm -hmm. of Ismail Assar and Ban Yang, who who were obviously delayed, um, allowed a little extra time after the African Cup of Nations, um, and so there wasn't really any recognised attack. Really, I mean, Adrian Unu was playing as the as the chief centre forward. Um, on his on his own. I mean, he got the opening goal, um, but Ren really just didn't didn't seem to want to push PSG as much as perhaps they could have done and should have done. 
Hunu was then slightly mysteriously uh, taken off at half-time to really spell out what the game plan for the second half which would be which would just be to defend and try and protect that one-goal lead. Unfortunately, they couldn't hang on. It was only once PSG went 2-1 up did we see Red actually provide some kind of attacking intent. And, and you know, they had quite a few chances towards the end, sort of last 10 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ren was, Ren was certainly the dominant team and, and had chances to, to equalise, but just a, a lack of... Of, uh, of composure, I think, and a lack of recognised uh, attackers. You know, it was the, it left to the likes of, of um, you know, Eduardo Camavinga, who's a 17-year-old midfielder. He had a chance later. It, it was, you know, I, I feel as though if Ren had gone for it a bit more, they could have got something from it. Um, I don't think either team have will have learned too much. Maybe Ren will have learned a little bit more because they, you know, defence. Uh, you know, it was a slightly new look defence. They obviously had Jeremy Morel um, starting for the first time in a quote unquote competitive game, and yeah, okay, they looked relatively okay in terms of defending. You know, PSG it, it didn't take until deep into the second half for for PSG to get that equaliser. So maybe Red will have learnt slightly more than PSG. Um, but there's no doubting. I think PSG just about deserves the win. Mo, with PSG, we we were introduced to some of their new recruits, um, including Abdou Diallo, Ander Herrera, and as you mentioned, Rich Pablo Sarabia. What did you make of them? You know, I agree with Rich. I thought Sarabia had a relatively good game and interesting sort of presence in the wing. You know, very very good link up, and um, you know, I think. He will be a player to watch uh, for PSG this season um, because of his sort of flamboyancy on the wing, um, the fact that he's able to get into deep pockets as well, and he showed that pretty well to uh, to an extent in China. Um, it was a defence that I found that were relatively disappointing, and given sort of Ren's ability to you know piece together a decent attacking lineup for various reasons, but I thought. Um, you know, Diallo in particular had a pretty average um, mm-hmm. performance. Um, yeah. And as for Herrera, again, you know, not it was it, was, it wasn't nothing woeful, but uh, nothing uh, spectacular either. I mean, not that he was perhaps expected to um, on Saturday, but you know, sort of the jury's still out, and I think he'll take over the first couple of games. Well, I think Sarabia could be very pleased with how he uh, how his first outing turned out. One of the, something that was maybe a little bit of a surprise was to see Marquinhos starting as a number six again. Uh, PSG obviously over the summer recruited Idrissa Gay, who wasn't available for this match, admittedly, but also Ander Herrera, who said during the summer, I can play as a six. I thought Marquinhos played very well as a six. And in fact, you know, for the Mbappe goal, he, he's, he delivered that wonderful pass to Sarabia. The, the second last pass is it kind of concerning however to see that the situation of, at the number six for PSG is still kind of open well I, w- I mean I would suspect that that was if, if Idrissa Gay was fit and ready to play I would strongly suspect that he would have started um, I think it's 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 important for PSG to get Marquinhos back in that centre of defence mm. um, you know we, we we thought 
there was a chance that Thiago Silva was potentially going to go this summer. I would probably expect him to leave next summer. Um, you know, Diallo is young and been bought in. I, I would imagine they're going to look at playing Marquinhos and Diallo for as much as possible this season to to try and get that relationship built up. And mm-hmm. certainly, they're two players who are capable of of dominating that PSG defence for for a number of seasons going forward. Um, you know, Marquinhos has done. You know, he's been very capable in that number six role. I don't want to see him there, if I'm being perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And and for me, that the big signing. And the most important signing, and arguably, it could prove to be. I mean, dare dare I say it? The, the most important PSG signing since Mbappe was Idrissa Gay. You know, that's uh-huh. a, that's a player that they have been crying out for now for well, probably ever since Thiago Motta and his Hayden. Three years, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's 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 a position that they have been dying out for, and it's it left them exposed, I think, in the Champions League. So I think his recruitment could prove to be. The, the single most important one, certainly this transfer window and, and certainly for the last couple of transfer windows, uh, and how he can, can can bolster that midfield, how he can protect and shield that defence. Um, I think that, that, that should prove to be an excellent signing. Well, I think we can maybe start to shift with that reflection towards a little bit of preview for the, for the upcoming season for Paris. Because, I mean, something that's, maybe surprising in, in, in a good way at PSG is that they seem to have had made some very serious and reasonable, you know, transfers over the summer, responding to needs that they have, spending money wisely. Would you agree with that with that sentiment? Yeah, um, it's, it's been it's been a relatively smart window for them. You know, they've not been upended by any sort of showy transfers. Um, the players that they've brought in, Gay, obviously we've just spoken about, um, they filled a gap that's been been there for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, they bolstered their attacking prowess, um, even though they haven't really lost um, lost anybody in that position. Um, so again, it's and I think Sarabia for what was it less than twenty million euros? You know, it represents a very very good deal. Um, for a player that can definitely make an impact on, off the bench and in those sort of frustrating games uh, over the winter where you, you know the squad size and squad depth will mean a lot so to have that quality of a player um, available to them it can only be a plus um, they've also populated uh, the defense um, Diallo um, despite a relatively average outing might turn out to be um, a decent choice. He obviously had a good reputation in in, in Dortmund as well. So it's it's and, and Herrera as well. Herrera, um, which I assume would, would complement midfield, where where Rabio had uh, sort of uh, not not appeared in over the last couple of months. So it's it's been it's been good, uh, relatively, uh, and you know they've they've seemingly done the homework in terms of what positions they need and sort of the profile of players they need. But obviously there's there's still one big cloud hanging over um, sort of the, the transfer window and that's obviously the main man up front um, mm. whether they do get rid of him obviously the, we, we don't know but the income that that would bring you know they do then have a lot of money to play with to further strengthen their team and then build something around Kylian Mbappe really bringing in three or four players of very very good quality so you know there's still some potential there but for what they've had i believe they've had a decent if i'm assuming 
transfer window so far. Yeah, and of course Neymar was suspended for the game on Saturday after the incidents uh, during the the cup final last season against Rennes already. I mean, we don't. It doesn't look very likely that he's going to leave, right? Even though he wants to, he said so. But um, that's that is a cloud, as you said, over PSG. Another cloud I think we could mention is that you know they continue to lose some of their young talent. It's kind of been a, a bad habit in the last few years to see a lot of their young academy players leaving the club, and it continued this year with uh, Timothy Weah going to Lille, Christopher Nkunku, among others. Are we wrong to, you know, criticize PSG for this? Is it possible that some of these players are simply not good enough actually to make it, even though they may, might be good enough to, to play in, in other clubs in France or elsewhere? Well, I think well, I think you look at the, the the three main young players that have left PSG this summer. You look at Moussa Diaby. You look at Timothy Weah. Those two, for starters, they're re- you know they're really promising players. But the question you have to ask is, are they going to be getting regular football at PSG? Mm-hmm. And the answer is probably not. To be honest, because you look at the kind of the caliber of player they're going to have to displace. Yeah. You know, you'd have to you'd, you're having to say, well, actually. Yeah, they may get a handful of games throughout the season, and they may get, you know, chucked into the, you know, the Coupe de la Ligue side, for example. But they're not necessarily going to get the level of, um, of quality and quantity, sorry, of football that at their age they're going to need. So PSG, you know, may as well cash in, and they've actually cashed in really well. I think, you know, they've got good money for for the RB Weyer and 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 Kunku as well uh, over this summer. Um, they've actually probably got slightly more than you would have thought mm-hmm. um, for, for all three of those and of course with PSG it's all about building this squad that can challenge for the Champions League and in this day and age you've got to balance your books uh, far better than in, in than in the past with FFP breathing down everybody's neck so if there's an opportunity for them to, to sell on a player who's not going to get regularly regular first team football but still, you know, get ten to twenty million for them, as they have done with with those three. Then they're going to take it. Um, you know, they're, they're still producing the quality of players. Of course, we would all love to see PSG producing quality young players and playing those yeah. quality young players. But the fact is, is that that's only going to happen once every ten play. You know, ten quality players that come through the youth system. Only one or two of those will break regularly into the first team. Yeah. Um, As so, Areola you know, I is, I suppose. I think, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a wise move. Um, you know, we want to see those young players as, 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 a, you know, as a fan of league and football, as a fan of French football, we want to see these exciting young players playing regularly now. Mm-hmm. You know, they have shown in glimpses what they can do. They've now moved to, you know, teams in, in Germany and, and Lille in, in Timothy Weyer's case. Now's a chance to prove that they actually are these quality players. And if, 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 if anything, prove PSG wrong, that they perhaps should have held on to them for a little bit longer. So I can see why PSG sell them, if I'm perfectly honest. It's not the most ideal, but it, it, from a business sense, it, it, there's, there's a degree of uh, I can see what they were doing. I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised, yeah. though. Um, obviously, I agree with everything you've just said, um, 
um, Rich, um, that you know, FSP is, is one factor clearly why they decided to sell. Um, and in, in the case of Nkunku, and perhaps in the way as well, um, there is sort of a case that, you know, now it's, you know, considering their positions, um, there's obviously a fact, uh, there's sort of a reason why that this should go as well. But in terms of Moose Diaby, I was a little bit surprised that they decided to cash in on him because he, he did mm. play quite a bit last season, um, especially in the winter or just after the winter in the early second half of the season, was a mainstay in the Cups, did come on a few times. Considering that he's still uh, 19 as well, um, you would think that he would have some um, potential to, to at least play as much as he did this year, particularly you know in those games where squad depth and rotation will become key. And they've shipped him off for, for 15 million euros. Um, so I, I was a bit surprised by that because you want you know him to deputise for Neymar when he's not available on the left. Uh, in the same way that Sarabian would be probably for Di Maria or be a universal across the front three. Uh, well, then Kunku in midfield, you know, he, he's, I think he's reached his ceiling in Paris. They've, they've signed uh, two very good uh, midfielders from uh, the big clubs. Um, for, for, for Diaby, I just, I'm, you know, I'm a bit surprised. And, you know, he may, he may go on to do really well in Leverkusen. Yeah. Well, I think so, what you have to look at is, well, is, is the three players that they have sold equates to the money that they have used to buy, say, Idrissa Gay. Uh-huh. Or the the you know the the uh, Abdu Diallo, and you have to think well if there's an opportunity for them to cash in on, you know, squad players perhaps, but certainly not first team players to bring in someone who would be a, a first team player and certainly in a position where they need to, needed to recruit, then by by you know it, it probably does make sense. I agree, Musa Diaby was the yeah. surprise one of the three. But you know they got sixteen, seventeen million euros. For... Fact, yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, if, so... it's, if it's about the balance sheet. But what, what does it say for sort of the youth players uh, in Paris? That okay, you know, you go through the the national squad, you go through the the motions, and all you ever be is uh, a sub impact player, cup player, and then you're off. At least I think you know they can see some of their elders and see that they are succeeding in other clubs. And, you know, it's not because they can't make it a PSG that you know, mm-hmm. they don't have the quality there. And that, I suppose, is good news for them. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think they're, they're, they're relatively sort of happy to go out and yeah. you know, test themselves. You know, they've been great. But just for the image of PSG, because they've got a very good academy. They've got a good, good academy. And these youngsters have done really well in scoring uh, goals um, and pushing you're sort of pushing the result forward against, you know, less attractive teams in the Ligue 1 last season. We've seen that happen in, in the case of Diaby and Kunku as well. Um, but that's it, you know, like, you'd want yeah. a, a club to not really focus on attracting the big plays, but in blooding the youngsters that they can play. I mean, looking at starting eleven, you know, even Ariola does not get sort of the respect they probably... That's true, that's very true. Or deserves, you know, like, where, where's that going to come from? But I think an image... They're probably happy enough to capitalize on on Mbappe, who even though he's not a youth product, he's from the Parisian region, and you know mm-hmm. that's that's symbolic enough for them. I won't ask you where you think PSG will finish because let's be honest, they're gonna win it. So maybe let's move on and quickly uh, look forward to how Rennes might fare this season. 
Um, Rich, it was a dream season last year, but of course they lost two key players in, in Hatem Ben Arfa and uh, Benjamin, the captain Benjamin Andre. You know, can we expect the same level of performance? Can Ken Ren really hang on to the wagon of the big clubs and, and keep up with them in a more persistent manner? Uh, I think the key for how well Ren will do this season will be what happens between now and transfer window closing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julien Stefan, the coach, has said, We've, we, we need to recruit. There's no question about it. We need to recruit. So Olivier Leton, the president, now needs to support his young coach and bring those players in. So obviously post-Trophy de Champion, we, we, we heard the news that uh, Rouse goalkeeper Edouard Mendy was going to be joining Absolutely. and Thomas Kubek was Very going to be leaving. Very good So that's, that's obviously that's a positive move. Mm. It's sad to see Kubek go because obviously he was part of that Coupe de France winning team, but yeah. Mendy, is an up, Mendy is an upgrade. Um, it, yeah, as you say, we've lost Benjamin Andre, Hatton Ben Arthur, take it or leave it. Another big miss was Edson Mexer. He's he moved on to Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of in terms of recruitment, mentioned earlier, they'd signed Jeremy Morel. They signed Flavian Tate. I think will prove to be a, a pretty decent signing. Only eight million uh, to bring him in from from Angers. Plenty of league and experience. He looked fairly decent in that Trophy de Champion mm. uh, match. Uh, they've signed and by Yang permanently. But it quest- the question remains as to. Is anyone else going to leave? Rami Ben Spaini has, has been strongly linked with the move away. He's There's rumours also of uh, Ismail Assar possibly going to, to the yeah. Premier League, uh, which would be exciting for Premier League fans. I think I think it was Watford interested, uh, but that would, yeah. that would obviously hurt Perrin as well. Um, yeah, so it's really, it's really what happens the rest of this 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 transfer window. I think will dictate how well Ren can do. I expect them to improve upon their league placing from last season. Um, obviously, last season they had European football for the first time in a long time. They've got it again this season, but of course they've perhaps got a little bit more accustomed to it. I would expect a lot of the young players. We obviously saw a lot of the young players go over to China, and 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 several of them were had playing time in that in that match against PSG. Is there I would one, expect a lot of the young players. Is there one young player or any player really that you can kind of point out to us to look out for this season? Um, for me, it is, uh, I mentioned him earlier, it's Eduardo Camavinga, midfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, only, he's only 17, uh, youngest player to have signed a pro contract with Ren when he was only 16. Uh, first player in all, five, in all of the top five leagues to have played top five football that was born after 1st of Jan 2002. Wow. Um, yeah. he, he, hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't looked faced any time he's played. Well, good to him, I you guess. Know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting big things from him this season. Um, he's still very young, and he's still, you know, not played a lot of football. But he's he seems a fairly he seems as, as mainstay as you can be only a, a few months in. But he seems a bit of a mainstay now of the first team. He's been in and around it now for a few months. I would expect that to continue into the new season. So for me, it's it, he's certainly a player I think to keep an eye on for Ren this season. Uh, Ren finished 10th last season, so that's certainly something they can improve on, uh, even though the cup runs are maybe not likely to happen again, at least in the same joyfulness. Let's move on to the other French team that has played competitively this season, and that is Strasbourg. Strasbourg uh, qualified for the next round of Europa League qualifiers, 
after having eliminated Maccabi Haifa from Israel. They play on Thursday, actually, away to um, a Bulgarian team by the name of Lokomotiv Plovdiv. Now, I don't think any of us are experts on Bulgarian football, but these guys finished seventh in the Bulgarian league. I imagine Strasbourg would, would still be favorites to win that and maybe earn a tie against Eintracht Frankfurt in the following leg. Mo, for Strasbourg, it really is kind of a dream meeting the European competitions 13 years later, having been almost literally to hell and back since then, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think the fairy tale continues a little bit. Um, you know, they had a fantastic um, season last year uh, in relative terms by winning the League Cup. Um, and that's that the year before where they proved that they could be a mainstay in the um, obviously memory, uh, memorably beating Paris Saint-Germain. So, you know, they've, they've really sort of carved themselves out um, in positioning themselves as, as a mainstay in the league and having that third season now, uh, the onus is obviously on them and Thierry Lorry uh, to, to develop the team further, to adopt a more consistent playing style, um, to also, you know, they, they, they do need to sort of decide on what sort of club they want to be. Do they want to be, um, you know, a club fighting in the lower ends of the table? Do you want to be a club um, that pushes and wants to position themselves like um, the, you know, the, the Rennes and Saint-Étienne of the, of the upper world? You know, in, mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't think they'll be pushing into the top five or six anytime soon, but in the upper upper half of the table, you know, position themselves to push for Europe on a more consistent basis. You have to remember, this is a big club. This is a historical club, despite where they've been at the start of this decade. Um so, you know, this is a juncture, this is an important juncture. They've got the Europa League um, at the moment. Um, obviously, they will beat, <laughs> I hope so, they will beat Lokomotiv uh, Plovdiv. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the tie against Frankfurt, where two atmospheric, passionate clubs will uh, come up against each other. And they will be able to measure themselves up against a, a very, very fine team. Um, and whether they go out or not, um, they would have learned themselves. But in the league this season, it is an important sort of campaign coming up. Um, and I hope that they can improve because they were a lot of fun to watch last season. Um, and I think they can be relatively classed as everyone's favourite second or third team. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's it'll be, it'll be a tough slot this year. But um, if they can rectify what has been a relatively slow transfer window so far. Um, mm-hmm. They, I think, I think they can, you know, they can reach the objectives. Yeah, they, they, they are a very likable club. I have to say, great atmosphere, good values. I mean, I don't, I think everybody enjoys them. Is there a player you would look out for on their on their team going into this season? Uh, it's actually mm-hmm. going to for me. <laughs> More rich. Um, yeah, either of you. Um, I mean, I've, I've I've always I've always liked um, sort of the, the midfield. I mean, particularly Jonas Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like the way that he plays. I like the style of uh, football that he brings, and also just the you know the the movement that he has on the pitch. 
I'm also interested to see uh, Jiku, uh, the fellow mm. they've signed from Kong. Yes. Um, because um, he was one of the, the best players uh, last season um, for Kong. Uh, still relatively young, stepped up a level now. Um, and they've got him for a good price. They got him for less than 5 million euros. Um, so that would be that would be interesting. They've lost Gonçalves, um, who was emblematic mm. last season, I felt. So that would be, you know, a big loss for them. But not too bad. I think um, more interestingly than the players is, is the manager and the way that he set up his team. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Thierry Lorient. I think we spoke on this podcast last season um, of of just how how good he is and how sort of he gets his team to play, um, you know, um, a good good function of football. So now um, you know, okay, I guess there'll be there'll be a lot of things to watch out next season for them. Certainly, um, hopefully, I mean, I'd quite like to see if if Kenny Lana if they can keep hold of him if he can repeat. You know, um, last season's sort of heroics. I mean, he, he was, you know, he was last season's right back in the in the league and team of the season. Yet he's he's still there, and I know he's a little bit older than than you know you might necessarily go for. But you know, there was no doubt in how how brilliant he was last season. So the fact that no bids have come in is slightly peculiar, I think, and slightly surprising. But if, if Strasbourg can keep hold of him and he can get anywhere near that form of last season, then that's going to be a big help for ensuring that they uh, they continue to punch above their weight next season, this season. So, and also, I think I, w- I would I was very interested by uh, this young kid Mohamed Simakan, who made his debut, his professional debut in the Europa League qualifier against Maccabi, and I think he's only eighteen or nineteen, and he really showed his worth. So. Let's see if he gets any playing time, but that's an interesting one. Strasbourg start their season against Mess, the promoted side Mess. It's a derby of the East to start the season on Sunday. Now, have you guys kept up with the managerial situation at Mess, which is a little bit complicated? Yeah. Um, well, Would you like to talk us through it? I'm just keeping an eye on it. Um, mm-hmm. it it's... it's, it's um, I didn't really understand what's going on. I don't follow Mets very closely. I think Jeremy Smith would be here. Well, I think what happened was that Frederick Antonetti, who's kind of a you know well-known Ligue 1 figure, he was their coach last season. Yeah. And around halfway through the season, he decided to kind of step, not completely step down, but basically he went back to Corsica to take care of his wife, who's mm-hmm. ill. Um, and his number two, I think, stepped up, um, who's called Oignon. And uh, he's now the head coach, if you will, while Antonetti is still at the club, as they call him the manager, but he's not, I mean, he's employed by them, but he's in Corsica, so it's completely remote uh, uh, from the club. Um, he doesn't take care of day-to-day operations. They say that Oignon has the final word in, in you know, any decision regarding the team or team selection, but that he's in, in daily contact with Antonetti. It seems kind of strange, but it, you know, it got them promoted comfortably, right? I don't think it would be as chaotic as, say, what we saw at Caen last season with with um, Roland yeah. Courbis and uh, and uh, Mercadal. It, I mean, I mean, it might not be a bit of a problem. It might not be a problem now. It's obviously a unique situation, but you know, health comes first. So yeah, I do understand yeah. sort of the, the 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 workings of how this has sort of come about and. 
if it works for them, it worked for them obviously the first six months of the year where they played really well, got promotion relatively early, and were relatively comfortable um, in in sort of that environment. But they were, you know, like this is a new league season. Hopefully, um, we might enter a position where Antonetti's wife uh, will, will get better and he's able to return uh, to full time work. I don't know what he's. He might just. You know, just be a consultant. At the end of the day, there's pros and cons on both sides. The fact that this sort of uncertain period might impact the Mets. You know, typically do perform really well in in promotional seasons in the in the Dutch, mm-hmm. and then enter league league, and then you know have a very very you know a, a difficult winter where they sort of to and fro between the relegation spots. If they get to that position, they might be able to call on an experienced manager that's. You know, he has a reputation and an experience mm-hmm. in taking his teams out of the bottom, um, or or not. Um, you know, the fact that this situation is is is, is there. I mean, the the paper over it pretty well in you know identifying that Onion has has responsibility and that he's not just a puppet. Um, yeah. Fair enough, but it's not exactly the clearest. Uh, I think the the, the, yeah. the um, I think the thing that the thing that goes for them here is that it's it's all mutual. Everybody's in agreement with what they are doing. Whereas you mentioned the Khan situation, that very much felt like Corby's was forced in there. Uh, uh, you know, and it, there, it, there was it, a bit of a so power two, struggle two, which we won't it, see here. Basically. Yeah, there was there was, yeah. there was two people that weren't working to the same objective. Yeah, they were. They looked pretty independent. weren't you know weren't working together, whereas this seems very much like, you know, Antonetti has stepped aside, he's still got this role, uh, as we say, I think, you know, this this season it's probably more of a sort of um, consultant kind of role, he's obviously got huge league and experience for coaching, had time with Ren, had time with Bastia, had time with Lille, uh, to varying degrees of success. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's got that experience that he can, he can add, add his input as and when works for, for him and the team, and that can be taken on board as and when works best for the team. And I think important for Mets is that in terms of the playing staff, they haven't seen too many changes. Very true. They yes, could, you might they... like to have seen the squad be added to, but they have managed to keep their core players. They've got a strong uh, defensive pairing who've got pl- plenty of league and experience in, in Sun Tzu and, and, and John Boy. Um, they've got... Um, Renault Kohad, who, who pulls the strings in midfield, mm-hmm. it was fantastic last season. And they've kept Inter- their their number nine, Habib Diallo, who scored uh, 26 goals last yeah. season, mm-hmm. and who's kind of the latest installment in, in the tradition of Senegalese players is doing well at Metz, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So, you know, they may still want, you know, there's still time to perhaps add to that squad. You, you know, you, you don't want to rely solely on the same squad that got you up. You do want to look at improving but simultaneously, they haven't actually seen major departures go. So, you know, I would hope that we can finally see a Mets get promoted and, and give it a good shot and actually stay up because of all the clubs in the French Football League, they seem the most yo-yo-like in terms of you know, constantly up and down. They never seem to be able to find mm-hmm. stability in a, in a particular league. So hopefully this is the season that they can crack it. So you think they'll stay up, yes or no? No, no. I, I've, I've got it that they will. It won't be my much, but I think they will. Okay, we'll see. Um, 
Let's go to another club who has been in the news quite a lot recently, uh, also for managerial reasons, and that's FC Nantes, all the way in the west of France. Their manager, Vahid Halilovic, uh, resigned yesterday, or not yesterday, but uh, on Saturday, I believe. Mo, is this more loco or less loco than Marcelo Bielsa resigning just after the first match of the season? Because we're only one week away from their first game here. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's just as loco, I'd say. Um, <laughs> It's, it, you know, I just, I just don't understand what's going on. Um, um, and you might point down to the, the president, Voldemar Kita, who's, who's just basically put his foot through it again. Mm. Because not just seem to me to be in football in purgatory. Um, you know, they're, they're in no danger of going down. They, they put themselves in awkward positions um, and then somehow in the second half of the season perform very, very well. I mean, you saw... Uh, in, in March, April, consecutive wins against the top three. Um, they, they they do really, really, really well uh, when they when they put their mind to it. And then you'd hope that they've got a platform to build. Obviously, it's been a very, very challenging year for them, uh, both on and off the field, uh, for various reasons. Um, you know, they've 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 got through it. They've come through it as a team. The Halil Hodzic has built, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a, a community. Um, you know, obviously in tragic circumstances, but everyone has come through pulling together. Mm. What they would have done now is that, you know, put, put the air behind them, start fresh in the summer. There was talk of a takeover, there was talk of some money coming in, mm. but that, you know, they would have a platform to build with. All they need is a bit of money from, from, from upstairs. That hasn't come through. Um, key players have left. Some signs have come in, but, you know, they, they've lost a lot more than they've than they've got in. So they, they start the season without a project, without understanding on cohesion, without manager, most importantly. Yeah. And when the finger points again at Keita, it's just a very, very poor situation. And from our experience, a manager going in the first week of the season, whether it's just before or after <laughs> your first game, you can only point to the chairman and, and, the, and the directors um, and the behaviour that's been going on in there. Yeah. And certainly, I mean, Vahid leaves with his head high, you know, he has the kind of honorable role in this story and he's still a club legend, adulated by the fans. He got an ovation uh, from the fans on, on Saturday. He's kind of the good guy in this story, facing, as you said, the president and owner, Valdemar Kita. What happens now? Who do they take? I mean, apparently they were turned down by Gennaro Gattuso. I, I struggle to understand oh, that, why they would that, ever ask him. That, that just... but, that would have been the most chaotic pairing. It would have been a disaster. There's no question. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know who hmm. takes over. I think you know, you you would say they need some you know sort of like Hannah Hodzic basically to you know a sort of experienced old hand to come in and steady things. But an experienced old hand would know they don't want to come in and work under Keita. So you back you then hmm. towards looking to. Well, can you buy in a play? You know, there's, there was reports earlier today that Klinsman potentially could be could be offered there, and you just think, well, why would you take that on? Or you you know you throw it to a young a young you know perhaps the best the best coach that Nantes had was sadly the coach that they just didn't have for long enough was was Conseil Sam. Yeah. You, know, you hand it to a young person to take the reins, but 
It's just about who can work under under Keita. You know, he has done a lot of good for the club, but it, it's now getting to the point now where he's actually doing more damage than doing more good. And yeah. it's difficult. See, they've had a, they've had actually quite an interesting transfer window. You look at the players that have gone, and you perhaps be a little bit concerned. They lost, they lost Tatsusanu, Diego Carlos, Kofi Gigi, Enoch Quetang. Uh, you know, core defensive players, but they have brought in some interesting players. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you know, in in football, when things are disorganized, it's always an opportunity for goalkeepers to shine. Now, they've signed France U21 goalkeeper Alban Lafont, who returns to Ligue 1 after his departure from Toulouse uh, a couple of years ago, I think. Is he going to be the player who shines for them this season, or maybe Mutusami or someone else? What do you think? Well, they're, they're, they're probably going to need it because in 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 you know there's not a lot going forward with Nantes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they they have always as far back as the last seven, eight, nine plus seasons been a, a defensive team. Uh, um, you know, so Lafont's going to have to come in and rediscover his form. You know, it didn't quite work out for him in Italy, Fiorentina. Mm-hmm. He's joined on a, I think it's a two-year loan deal um, with with an option to buy. Uh, I hope he comes back and performs well. Uh, you know, it would be good to see him regain, uh, you know, that excellent form that we saw when he was playing at Toulouse. They have, you know, it, it's a sign that, you know, they, they are a defensive team. Their best players are their defensive players, hence they've moved on, hence they've had to bring defensive players in. Uh, Marcus Coco is an interesting signing. You know, we've spoken about him for feels like forever now. As you know, this exciting young player didn't quite seem to actually live up to that um, that that sort of title at Gangon. He's now got his chance to stay in in Liga um, with Nantes. He's going to be seen as a as a key part of that attack uh, because there isn't many. So it's it's the onus is on him now to actually um, to show everyone you know he is worthy of of the high praise mm-hmm. he seemed to have of arguably undeservedly received over the last few years. So uh, I, I, again, I think it will be um, it will be a, a, a tough season for Nantes. Yeah. Um, you know the Nantes fans just I, I think just want to see something. You know, an injection of something exciting, I think, at that club to to sort of move them on, kick them on. You know, they are a very historic club, won plenty of, of silverware over the years, and they seem to have just been through a, a lot of pain and a lot of suffering for for various reasons um, over over the last few years. That you just feel as though the only thing that's going to bring them that that sort of positivity is if is if Keita moves on himself. Yeah. I think on the whole we have them down as as struggling in the in the next season. Um, from one uh, slightly chaotic club to the next, Mo, let's let's move to Marseille. It's been a busy summer, big changes certainly. Andre Villas-Boas coming in as the new manager. Marseille pre-seasons are always particularly scrutinized. Tell us what have we learned about AVB? What what's he going to change? Um. In a word, um, what he's going to change, first of all, is sort of the style of football that I'm going to bring. There has to be a more focus on on the defensive side of things. Um, mm-hmm. Marseille have lost a couple of defenders um, this season. Um, most importantly, I think, Ronaldo, um, who has, uh, has is, is, does done really well when he's being called upon. 
um, especially over the last sort of 12 to 16 months off the bench. Um, they are about to lose Adil Rami, who, well, uh, hasn't done anything of note since winning the World Cup. Um, <laughs> and uh, he will soon be shown at the exit door. Um, so the focus is on utilising the growing relationship between Shalit uh, Star and, and Kamara um, and having Alvaro uh, Gonzalez, uh, the um, the Villarreal defender, mm-hmm. uh, the ex-Villarreal defender, um, behind them um, on the ex- just to provide them with experience and um, and basically to really shut up shop because that's been a very very uh, big issue with Marseille last season was conceding goals left right and to conceding penalties um, to my um, complete frustration. <laughs> um, he's also sort of slightly changed the attack. I think that going forward, the OM are going to produce sort of a four-three-three rather than Rudy Garcia's four-three-three-one. In fact, it's bringing back the first days of the the court project with Garcia, where the four-three-three was used from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this time it will be uh, Pais supplied with Bedonich on the left, uh, Torban if he's still there um, on the right with Benedetto up front, um, and the I think. The main thing is that Marseille failed to to sell anybody, um, anybody yeah. uh, that commands or still commands a relatively big fee. Lucas Ocampos aside, who I think Owen will probably miss more than, than he should. Um, but the fact that um, Strugman is still there, Samson's still there, and it's about 72 hours left uh, at the time of this podcast uh, in the English window. So, you know, they're going to have to utilise... Um, a very packed midfield next season, but the encouraging thing is that Kevin Struman has had a very, very good uh, preseason so far, and the team looked relatively well um, down the middle last night against Napoli. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Napoli did win the game one zero um, through a, a very good um, footballing moment. Uh, well, a team attacking play uh, when Mertens uh, beat beat Mondanda for the game's only goal, but. Through the middle, they were relatively strong. They, they did press Napoli uh, very, very well. There were chances. It was just finishing and and then the the fullbacks being a bit of a problem. So what OM needs to do and what AVB needs to do, uh, needs to do really, is um, find the one or two missing pieces of the jigsaw. That's that left-back because Marseille have not had a left-back mm. in in ages. Um, if I can remember, there was there's a Marvin now who had about six good games um, when he signed from Villa two years ago now. Um, Evra, who... Had about six who, games before being sacked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's also the case. And yeah. then, you know, you'd have to go back to 2016, sort of 2017, because that, before before those two, you had makeshift right-backs like Saar and, and Manquillo back in the day, yeah. and then Bedimo and, you know, They've not had a very, very good left back in in ages. Not probably since not since Mendy left. That was a good four years ago now. Um, so hopefully that gets sorted out. Um, and now the striker issue has been sorted, and hopefully better to hit the ground running. Rich um, OM's president Ero promised young signings from now on, kind of promising uh, up and comers. But so far this summer they've signed. 
Alvaro Gonzalez and uh, today they announced Benedetto from, from Buenos Aires, both aged 29. What, how can they, I mean, do they know what they're doing? It, it just seems confusing, doesn't it? From the outside looking in, you get the impression that those higher up the chain don't really know what they're doing. Um, you've got to hope that, that someone like Andre Villas-Boas coming in with a lot of experience, a lot of experience of European football, having coached around the continent, can, can come in and, and help give them some direction. You know, he's maybe a bit more of a respected global name than than, um, than Rudy Garcia. Maybe he can, you know, dictate things a little bit more to the, the people above him as to the direction the club needs to take. Uh, I mean, young players uh, certainly are uh, an area that, that PSG, sorry, PSG, sacrilege there, that Marseille need to look at, um, that, that Marseille need to look at, at recruiting. And to be honest, I think they need to look around league gun. You know, mm. there's there's been a huge number of players that they could have they could have snapped up. You know, they could have moved for, for Benjamin Lecomte this this summer. Mm. You know, he was available. Um, clearly, by where he's ended up at, European football wasn't at the the, the, the top of the agenda that many thought. Um, didn't move for a huge amount in the end. Would have been an upgrade on on Mondonda. A bit more of an investment in the future. Uh, you know, I think they need to look around uh, Liga. You know, they've been long linked with, with Valentin Rongier, for example. Um, there's, there's players in Liga that can definitely improve that squad. And this is something I've, I've long stood by, is that we all want to see a competitive Marseille. Mm. Uh, you know, the history that they bring to the league, that rivalry that they've got with PSG, the developing rivalry that maybe even... Is, is almost as big with, with Lyon. We want to see Marseille competitive. You know, we want as many competitive teams in Ligue 1. And a, and a competitive Marseille is good for everybody. You know, they, they, they are still a big, um, you know, a big draw from a, from a global audience for who they are, the mm. history they have, the magnificent stadium they've got. So, you know, make them competitive. Um, and again, they're, they're another club that seem to have owners that are just struggling to understand the yeah. direction the team is going in. So maybe, and hopefully, Villas-Boas is the man that can help steer them in the right direction. And Mo, uh, you mentioned the left-back problem. Marseille also had a number nine problem for, for several seasons, with exception to, of course, the kind of you know magic six-month spell with, with Mario Balotelli. It, it, it kind of looks like PSG's number six problem, to be honest, in the kind of failure to really find a permanent solution to it. They tried with, with Bayet over some of the friendlies as a number nine, which oh. I thought was interesting, but not sustainable, probably. No. Benedetto came in today. Do you think that's going to be solved this summer, even with Benedetto? Um, well, we've got to hope, really, because um, if you look at the record of, of number nines, especially since Frank McCourt took over, um, you've got Germain, uh, Mitroglu, Benedetto, Balotelli. Doesn't really scream confidence, does it? Yeah. Um, but obviously, the jury's still out on Benedetto. I think we've got to first of all be realistic because of FFP and because of um, mm. sort of the market at the moment. You're either going to have to trust a young, uh, sort of French, maybe 
a domestic striker. We can get under 20 million euros, 15 million euros. We're offering no Champions League or no European uh, Europa League football. Um, or, or, you know, somebody that's a bit older but has sort of some career behind him. And, and for that part, I, I, I would probably opt for an older striker with, with experience. You have to remember that Bernadette is capped by Argentina um, five times over the last two years. Played in the, 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 the equivalent of the Champions League, the Copa Libertadores final. Um, and has played, played for a really, really big club in South America. Yeah. Where he's used to atmospheres like the one that he's going to play in Marseille. This is not, you know, um, this is not, you know, just some a randomer. Uh, but he's got he's got he's got to adjust. He's got to bring in, uh, um, settle very very quickly, and not um, go the same way as Costas Petroglio did two seasons ago, where he came very late and injured, and uh, you know, sort of started off very very poorly and ended the season relatively poorly as well. Um, because it just can't keep going on like this. Because OM mm. do need. Um, to qualify for the Champions League it has become a bit of an obsession uh, now um, and they've got to do it the hard way they've got to do it the hard way with lack of finances but even though they've got lack of finances uh, because of FFP they've still got a really really good team on paper it's time for everyone to, to pull together and it's been done it's been done several times uh, if you look at Lille and Nice uh, just in the last three years for example where teams have uh, you know been average or poor in one season and then end up going on the purple patch um they were 17th 18th in uh what 16 months ago in april 2018 and now starting um in the champions league next month so it can be done it just the you know professionalism um, and hard work is needed although i would have liked to have seen radical thinking in the transfer market this is a left field move Let's just hope it works out now. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I attended the uh, the match between Marseille and DC United. Now, you know, it's a preseason friendly DC United oh. B team, so there's not many conclusions to take from that. But I have to say I was impressed with Payet, who, who looked sharp, looks like he still got it. He had four assists in, in one half. And I was also blown away by Nemanja Radonjic. He just looked so skillful. Uh, you know, I'm excited yeah. to see more of him. Would you agree with that? Or is there someone else you think is kind of more worthy of our attention as well during this season? No, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for, for Radonjic. Um, Ocampos um, has left now, so he has more, you know, more breathing space. Although, depending on if AVP sticks with a 4-3 point pie on the left, mm. I don't know exactly how he's going to manage that. But if he does go for the 4-2-3-1, um, which I think he will on occasions, Radonjic will be the first, sort of one of the first names in the team sheet. He has looked good. He he has more confidence because last season mm. he was more, you know, a, looked like a deer caught in headlamps a little bit, um, where he wasn't confident. He was put on the bench and a lot of times, even when he had sort of adjusted come you know, November time, he, he he just wasn't given sort of the time all day by Garcia and then yeah. put on in like the last 10, 15 minutes of the game where game had already been won or had been lost. So, you know, it had no, had no impact depending on whatever he did. Which but does now, make sense, to be honest. I think sometimes we kind of forget maybe that, you know, moving to a new country, not speaking yeah. the language and so on. It, of course. It does take time to, to adapt. So, do you think, you know, what, what kind of league position do you, are you hoping for Marseille this season? 
No European Cups in the way this year. That's the good news. Well, I've hoping for what's realistic. Or rather, different things. What I'm hoping for, of course, is to gouge this lull and see the finish on the podium. Um, or, or you know through you know with a yeah finish finish on a podium. But what I think will happen hmm. is another fourth or fifth position. All right, Marseille start on Saturday. Ooh, apologies for that. Marseille start on Saturday against Stade de Reims. Stade de Reims had a, a very impressive season last last year. You know oh. they were promoted. They finished eighth and. They probably could have finished higher if they, their form had dipped in, in the final, you know, 10 games of the yeah. season, possibly. What do we expect from Reims? Is there a risk of, you know, second season syndrome dropping? Rich? I think there could be. I yeah. think there, there could be. They've obviously lost. Uh, Bjorn Engels has gone. Edouard mm-hmm. Mendy is going. Um, they signed Rajkovic to, to, to replace Mendy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not as drastic as a or as big as a concern as it could have been. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of this will rest on the likes of Remy Udan. Obviously, is a a bit of a you know is is one of one of Ram's sort of commodities in terms of a saleable asset. Mm. But you know he he he's still with the he's still with the club. Um, I think they're going to expect a lot from him this season. Obviously, last season was a was a sort of semi breakout season for him. There's a there's a bit of expectation on him now. So if he can continue to perform as he did for you know large parts, he was by no means perfect last season, but um, you know there's definitely room for improvement. But he was a bright spark for them. Um, Abdel Hamid at the back, mm-hmm. very solid centre back. Um, obviously the the sort of core of that success last season was built on on that defence, and obviously the. The number of clean sheets that, that, that Edouard Mendy kept, uh, and how resolute they were at the back. So um, I think there's a bit of pressure on there that that that, that continues because maybe they, you know, if, if that starts to get a, a little bit, if they start leaking goals, maybe question marks would raise whether they actually have the the quality and attack to to sort of combat that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have my concerns that maybe they don't. I think. I don't see them performing as well as last season. Last season, they were yeah. fantastic. They were a breath of fresh air. Um, I think it's going to be hard-pressed for them to match that this season. Um, I think other teams around them have probably improved slightly. Mm. Um, you know, Rams, Rams obviously haven't, I wouldn't say they have improved. Um, they stayed fa- fairly static. Um, but yeah, I certainly think second season syndrome could. And I don't, I don't necessarily think there's going to be relegation concerns. But I think, and as long as fans' expectations aren't, oh yeah, we're going to get another, you know, top eight nine finish. You know, if they can finish, you know, lower mid table, I still think that's that's an excellent result for them. Mm-hmm. You know, last season, what I wouldn't want last season to do is to affect expectations too much. Yeah, no, you know, of, I agree you know, that. It's very easy for that to happen. And of course, once you then you know, lose a couple of games, you know, disappointment sets in, um, you know, fans start to turn and, and then it becomes a bit of a toxic environment and it can all go wrong from there. So yeah. as long as fans' expectations can remain sensible and last season hasn't got them carried away, um, then I still think this season they should be fine. I agree that, you know, it probably won't be as good as last year. 
I, I would expect them to be safe, however, because, you know, one thing I learned, I, I, I've just spent three years living in Reims and I got to know the club pretty well. And I have to say, I'm very impressed by how well run it is and how co coherent the decision making is kind of throughout the club from the president and downwards until the even in, in terms of recruiting and scouting, they're able to find players that we don't really know of that play in kind of lesser well-known leagues, but that are actually very good in those leagues. And they brought in, you know, as you mentioned, Engels, Fockett from, from, from Belgium. Zanelli showed a lot of promise last season as well, even though he's going to miss a lot of this one by injury. And uh, I've heard good things about the new keeper, Rajkovic. So, you know, hopefully in terms of replacing Mendy, that, that should be a positive. They also signed a player. Um, they also signed Marshall Munetzi um, from a Zimbabwean who was playing in, in the South African League. Um, I saw a little bit of AFCON and, you know, it, it, could, it could turn out all right as well. So I think, you know, they've got a solid structure. They've got, they've got good planning and hopefully... They've, they've, they've given themselves the means to stay in Liga for several seasons and, and I think we can expect that from them this year as well. Um, let's move on to the other promoted team after Metz. Let's talk about Brest. Um, you know, they've decided to stay with their identity from Ligue 1, from Ligue 2 rather. They, uh, last season they were coached by Jean-Marc Furlan who decided to stay in Ligue 2. Um, he played attacking football with them last year, which uh, you know made sense as they were one of the best teams in Ligue 2. But they've now recruited Olivier Dalolio, who was previously at Dijon and who also has kind of you know principles of, of, of how football should be played in terms of offense and, and possession and so on. Is that a dangerous bet from, from Brest? You know, are they going to struggle to stay up this season? Do any of you have an idea? No, I mean... Um, I think you made a good point. Uh, in sort of the, the sort of the similarity uh, of between two coaches, and I think the most important thing is that continuity is key mm. uh, as much as possible. Because what the last thing they want to do is um, pull, pull, pull off a bit of a risk, um, like perhaps Mets are doing at the moment, um, and sort of ruin uh, the foundations and the good work that they've done to get themselves in that position. Um, they've, the, you know, they've. They brought in Quancier uh, from 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 Monaco. Um, they've you know they want to maintain sort of the form that the form in the football that put them into second position last season. So it would be a mistake to rip that up in a very very short period of time. You know those those matches just finished just over two and a half months, uh, months ago. So with these new players to rip up. Um, what they've achieved and start, you know, start fresh. The goal is league safety and the goal is to do it um, the way they've done and the way they've practiced and the way they've sort of honed over the past season in Ligue 2. Um, so I think it's, it's the right functional and clever way to go about it and a sensible way to go about it. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see how that goes in the first couple of games. Rich, it's the return to Ligue 1 for Gaëtan Charbonnier who had a very prolific season last year. Can he, you know, still perform in the in Ligue 1 this year? Or are there any other players we should look out for apart from him too? And Grand Sir, as you mentioned, Mo? Well, 
Charbonnier is an interesting one. He's had plenty of time to, to, to demonstrate what he can do in Liga, and he's he, he struggled, to be perfectly honest. Um, he obviously had a, an absolutely fantastic season last season, uh, was League 2 player of the season, top scorer of 27 goals, I think. There will be pressure on him to replicate that this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have my concerns as to whether he's actually able to. Um, I like the signings that they have made. Um, as, as Mo said, you know, Samuel Grancier, you know, we, we hope he can rediscover that form that got him the move from Troyes to Monaco in the first place. Uh, Ludovic Barl, they brought in from Rennes, um, a left-back. Um, if he can stay fit, he brings a lot of league and experience and should be a decent signing. I really like the signing of, of Roman Perro, who's, uh, who's another left-back. Can play slightly further forward if needs be as well. Um, he had a really good season last season on loan with Paris FC, uh, and by all accounts was very close to a um, a move to Celtic mm. uh, earlier in the transfer window, possibly as a replacement for Kieran Tierney. Uh, that that move didn't happen. Brest got in there, pounced and signed him, twenty uh, one year old. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, as I say, he, he really did have a, a standout season for Paris FC last campaign. So uh, it will. there's no hiding behind the fact it will be very tough for Brest this season. Um, it will be really tough. I have, them, I have them staying up by the skin of their teeth. In fact, I actually have them um, in uh, 16th. So one one place above the uh, of the above the bottom three. I'd, but to be honest, I'd be it's, interested, it's, Rich. I'd be interested to, to know who you have going down there. Yeah. <laughs> Considering uh, you already mentioned Mets to stay up earlier. Yeah. No, I do. I have. I have. Well, if anyone's interested, I have Amiens to go down. Mm. I have Dijon to go down. Yeah. And I have I have big concerns this season over Nîmes. Over Nîmes. Yeah. Oh yes. Well, yeah. that's interesting. Um, Good call. All three of those clubs will feature on Thursday's show with Thursday's panel. We'll, we'll talk about those then. Brest start their season against Toulouse. Um, Mo, it felt like Toulouse had a quiet summer, or maybe I wasn't just I just wasn't paying too much attention to them. I don't know. Yeah. But they did sign um, William Venker, formerly of Marseille. Wesley Said as well for a little bit of money. And what do you think of that? Well. I think I mean I think they're in trouble. Yeah. Um, as well, um, as much as I like William Vanker, Van- uh, um, yeah, he, you know he'll he'll bring he'll bring professionalism, aggressiveness, and tenacity to that midfield. Um, but they've lost quite a few players as well. Um, not to mention Julian, who went to Celtic, mm. uh, Delors, uh, as well. Um, Jimmy Dermaz, mainstay of the last couple of years, Mumbanje. Has gone to gone to Croatia, and you know basically they've 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 lost, you know, quite a few players of their first team, and their subs bench. They've brought in, like you mentioned, uh, Wesley Said to the the, the the record signing, who who I think will bring um, I, I probably is an upgrade on Dermas, who I thought was, was static and um, basically uh, did little to improve to losers. Um, aggressiveness uh, on on the right wing, so mm-hmm. you know there there are some upgrades here and there. Um, Vanker, I thought, you know, I think he he's he's a good player. He showed them, he showed that um, 
in this in this Marseille days in 2016-17. So um, I, I have no problem with that. I just think that they've been they've spent the last four or five seasons now fighting to keep their head above water when it comes to their their league position. They've they finished, I think, what was it, 16th or 17th last season? 16th, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, 16th last season, 18th the year before, uh, and then 17th twice in the 15, <laughs> 2015 and 2016. It's been five five seasons. It's a drama waiting to happen, ten. isn't it? It's, it's, exactly. Yeah. And before that, they spent most of their time in the top half. They were a team that you sort of rely on to. To occupy the you know seventh, eighth, ninth positions um, before that, so it's you know when when a team, as we've seen in England, as we've seen across Europe as well, when a team f- fights consistently to keep their head above water, and then they've just had a fire sale as well, and they've not replaced any everybody. Yeah, uh, there's a shortage in the squad. There's a shortage in quality. I think personally that. This is the year where it could really, you know, the chickens can come home to roost. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Um, let's talk about one more club for today, and that is Angers. Now, guys, I look at Angers' kind of starting lineup and, and their subs even, and I think if these guys don't lose Santa Maria or, or Renat de Led or any of the other important players, maybe, they should, they could really finish in top 10 this year, no? It might be a push. I mean, I, I think they are probably they're probably the new Gangon in terms <laughs> of sort of punching above their weight a little bit. You know, Gangon for years was sort of the benchmark of a team promoted and 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 doing things sensibly within their means and getting the results and and, and staying up. Unfortunately, obviously that ended last season. I think Angers are the team ready made to to take on that mantle. Um, there's there's nothing. That you look at the Angers team, and for me, there's nothing there that I think, wow, that's amazing. But there is a, a, a solid group of players, without being spectacular, coached by a man who's um, you know, been there, done that with, with Angers, in, in Stéphane Moulin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big, the, the big player for them this season, because they always seem to produce one player who just seems to step it up for them. Mm. Um, and then they sort of can cash in and sort of ultimately generates and keeps them going. They're obviously benefiting. They'll benefit this season from the money they'll get from the Lille sale of, of Nicola Pepe. They're going to be getting, I think they, they've estimated it's going to be about 12 million euros. But I think that that's, sale. it's actually going to be over several installments, so over four or five ye- well, years. Well, yeah, so I don't, I don't really know how, the, I don't much, know how I the, the sell-on fee works with regards to the installments. Um, I think it works but the anyway, same, but they, yeah. they will They will be getting that money in over either now or over a period of time, which is great for them. The big player I'm expecting to stand up for them this season will be Jeff Rayner Adelaide. Absolutely. Uh, I think he, he finished the season really strongly. He was one of only a small number of players that I thought... Um, made a, a positive impression for the under-21s over the summer. Um, there has been heavy speculation linking him with a move to, to Lille. <coughs> whether, that, whether that happens in the next week, again, is another, another way that might dictate how Angers' season goes. Um, I think they will just about, again, be another team that will just about do enough, as they seem to do season in, season out. But for, for them to to ensure their safety, for them to again continue to surprise us all I think Rainer Adelaide is the key man for them 
Yes, I, w I, I would completely agree with you. Um, that's all for the first part of our Ligue 1 preview. Listen on Thursday for the rest. We'll be talking. They'll be talking, of course, about uh, the, everyone we haven't talked about. Monaco and Lyon, who play against each other in a juicy, juicy opening for the league on Friday, as well as Lille, Saint-Etienne, and so on. In other news, quickly, Ligue 2 started two weeks ago. Clermont, Lens and Chambly have both won their first two matches and they were joined at the top of the table by Lorient, who beat Caen today, earlier today, 2-1. Poor old Caen are going to suffer this year, I think. There was also an interesting story in the third division over the weekend. I don't know if you guys saw this. Was oh, this Gazelec? Yes, between Gazelec and yes. Red Star. Well, Gazelec are uh, protesting their place in third division. They're saying that Sochaux, who were initially administratively relegated to third division, should be in there at their place because if that had happened, Gazelic would have been saved. Um, Sochaux won their appeal, however, under certain conditions, which according to, to Gazelic have not been met. Uh, so what happened on Friday for the first match of the third division was Gazelic were playing Red Star over in Paris. They traveled to Paris and they train normally and so on for the whole week. But in the most bizarre turn of events, they decided to boycott the match. And because of some, you know, strange, unheard, at least by me, unheard of procedure, Red Star had to spend 15 minutes on the pitch in match conditions to officially win the match by forfeit. So there was a very peculiar ceremony, like an opening ceremony with, with only one of the teams, the players coming out in full kit behind the referees and so on. The referee starting the match Red Star's goalkeeper went on to score a goal, you know, in an oppositionless goal. And uh, the referee blew the final whistle and, and, and that was that. And it was just the most, the most strangest thing you've ever seen, I think. I've, I've never heard of anything like it. Anyways, Gazelec learned today that uh, they did not uh, obtain gain of cause. So they'll be staying in third division as they were relegated last season. And now, because of this, they're likely to get punished, uh, possibly quite heavily, because they, they didn't give much notice. They didn't even give much notice for their forfeit. Um, I'm going to take some quick questions from Twitter. I won't hold you guys much longer, but um, just for anybody listening, you can tweet us your questions at the GFFN show on Twitter. Some of these will be kept for Thursday, I guess, because they're about teams we haven't talked about today. But maybe let's start with uh, this question from at R99, who thinks, uh, who asks, do you reckon PSG can do better in the Champions League next season? That's one topic we, we didn't bring up earlier on about them. And that is the main topic, I guess, you know, with regards to the progression. Will they make it past round of 16? Yes, I think. Well, I think they should. I think they're providing. I think the key thing, two key things for them is that draw um, and players staying fit. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, the squad I think is in a better place than it was last season. As I mentioned earlier, I think that signing of Idrissa Gueye will be key and will be worth its weight in gold in that Champions League, especially. So I would expect them to certainly do better than they have done for the last two, three seasons. Um, I don't know if they're quite necessarily at semi-final stage yet. I still have question marks over their fullbacks uh, and perhaps the depth in terms of 
across that back line, maybe. But, uh, yeah, in terms of progression from the last three seasons, I would certainly expect excitement. All right. Simon asks, who will be the breakout player this season? Do you each have one name in mind? Any any club? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stay true to form and stand by the player I I, I picked for my own team earlier in the podcast. I'm gonna stick with Camavinga. Interesting. Oh, one doesn't come to mind uh, for me. I think I think perhaps uh, perhaps a Leon. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, Anderson, Fucking uh, mm. Anderson, uh, yeah. signing play. I don't think he's he might be not young enough to be classed as breakout, but I think um, he can do a sort of uh, he can bring uh, an upgrade to their current defensive issues. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays. I think Husam Mauer needs to have that big season now. Yeah, there's, there's no Fekir at Leon now. Yeah, uh, he had a, he had a very That's disappointing out. under 21s. Uh, he finished the season relatively well, um, so I, I'm, you know, I think the expectation is that this is the season that he truly announces himself as, you know, the next big player to, you know, be on the radar from from Lyon. Moussa Dembele could be one too from Lyon. He's been yeah. scoring some goals recently. Well, thank you both for coming on tonight. Very nice to have you, and look forward to being with you again next week, next Monday night. Uh, thank you all for listening. This is all for our first part of the Ligue 1 preview. Make sure you listen, as I said, on Thursday as Lewis and his panel discuss more clubs, including Lyon. Thank you very much. Have a good night. What happens if I record now? Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. We're back after a long summer where there was lots of football, but none of that good league football that we all love the most, of course. Nothing beats that. It's the time of the season right now where everyone still has their hopes up. And I certainly hope to have a great time with you listening to the show and with my panel here. I'm your new host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham, and I'm very glad to be here to share this season with you. Also with me today is Rich Allen. Hi, Rich. How are you? 